Hey there, I'm Jen Mueller, host of the Unrivaled Podcast, the podcast where athletes share their journey to becoming pros and the passions that fuel them outside of their sport. Today, our guest is CJ Hamm, fullback for the Minnesota Vikings, a former four-year letter winner in football and track and field in college. CJ doesn't just spend time on the field. He's also a voice in the community advocating for children with disabilities. We'll get to that part of the story soon enough. But first, we need to say hello. Hey there, CJ. What's going on? Not much. It's just great to talk football, to talk community, and really to spend a few time, a few minutes with you today. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm honored to be on. So I know that you're a football player now, but football was not the first sport that you played, or at least the first sport that was on your radar. How many sports did you play growing up? I grew, I grew up in the Boys and Girls Club, so I got, kind of did a little bit of everything. But what I really specialized in was first, you know, playing basketball. Uh, that's something I wanted to do. Then I got into football and um, then track and field. So those are the three sports I focused on, you know, all the way throughout high school and then even did track in college. When did you recognize that football, though, could be a pretty big opportunity for you? Yeah, I started playing football in fifth grade and just fell in love with it. But I think when I turned 14, so eighth grade or so, uh, you know, I was 5'10", 205 pounds and kind of figured that football was kind of my way. And I wanted to be a basketball player, but I wasn't really growing much anymore. So uh, that was kind of the time I figured out that football was uh, kind of something I wanted to focus on. Side note, how many of your teammates have similar stories? I know a ton of football players that all wanted to be basketball players that all think they could still be basketball players. (laughs) And yet they're on the football field. Uh, that is very true. There's, uh, there's not, new, not too many people in the locker room, if you ask them if, if they can play basketball, that they say no. So off-seasons could be very interesting if we, uh, go, if we go to the court. You know, in looking at your history, you went to Augustana College or Augustana University. How would most people have heard of or known about that? Augustana is a small school. Uh, it's a small private school in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Very known for their education. Also very known for being great in Division Two sports, too. So they sought me out, recruited me, and it was kind of easy for me to pick that. And how many people, when they mentioned the school that you go to, did exactly what I just did and slightly mispronounce it or stumble over it? <laughs> it when I was first getting recruited by Augustana, I used to call it Augustana as well. So no worries at all. Okay, so I don't feel so bad about that. But was that an easy decision or a tough decision? Anytime that you're committing to something for a long time, it's nice that they came and recruited you. But where did you really see the opportunity there for you? Uh, I mean, like I said, the school is just great. And, um, you know, right away when I went there, um, you know, at first I thought I wanted to go to a big school. You know, I had dreams of going to, you know, Michigan and uh, University of Minnesota and just all these big time schools. Um, but, you know, obviously that, that wasn't a reality for me at the time. So going to Augustana, um, seeing the small community, uh, seeing how great the school is, and then all, also just fitting in with the coaches and, the, uh, you know, just the people there in the athletic department just made it very easy for me to make that decision. And the benefit of hindsight means you can see that you made it to the NFL, which is an incredible accomplishment. But were there times when you were there that you wish you had gone to a bigger school? A lot of the times while I was there in my, you know, five years, I registered my freshman year, many people told me, like, I could play Division One, or, you know, you should transfer, you should, or have you thought about transferring? It wasn't really something that was really on my radar. I didn't commit to Augustana to make it to the NFL. I committed to Augustana to get a great education, and I met my wife there, and uh, everything happened for a reason. 
When did NFL scouts start showing up at your games? After my junior season, uh, coach had called me during track season and said a couple teams were going to come out and do a junior day with me and a couple other players from uh, USF, the school across the street. So uh, that was kind of my first um, eye-opening experience to like, oh, maybe I couldn't make it to the NFL. You know, people always said it and joked about it, but I never really, like I said, I, it was never something I, I guess really thought was going to happen. Was it because of the track and field background that attracted them? I mean, obviously you had skills on the football field, but was it track and field that kind of helped push it over the edge for some of those guys? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure when it comes to that. I mean, I just did track because I just absolutely loved it, and I still love it today. I find myself watching, you know, shot put and hammer videos on Instagram and YouTube and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, it was my senior year where I was kind of on the radar and I had a handful of teams come out and, do evaluations on me during the season. And uh, that's when I knew that, you know, this really, this really could happen. What were your events? Uh, I was a shot putter and hammer thrower. And you still hold a record? Uh, no. So my record just, I think it got broke. It was broken. I want to say last year. It was like last year it got broken. So I, I had it, I had it for a good, you know, two, three years so strong. So it's all right. You know, you, you can be gracious and, and let somebody else take the top spot for a little bit, I suppose. Hey wrong with that. So here's what I find amazing. You're a two-sport athlete in college. You lettered four years in both sports, and you weren't just involved in athletics. You weren't just involved in your studies. You really found a voice in the community. Where did the passion come from to advocate for children with disabilities? It came from my childhood. I grew up, um, I grew up with a stutter. Um, I mean, it was, uh, I was bullied for it. Um, it led to, you know, an angry childhood and just made, made things kind of tough. It kind of put a fear in me to, uh, you know, even open my mouth or uh, talk in front of anybody other than my family and friends. And, you know, that, that fear stayed with me all the way through college um, to the point where I had to uh, seek help in college and ask, uh, ask the speech therapist majors um, if there's something that we could do. Cause I knew the NFL was uh, something on my radar. I knew interviews would happen and uh, I'd have to, I'd have to speak and I was definitely afraid of it. I mean, to the point where, you know, I'd tell professors that like, uh, hey, I, I really don't want to talk or in class, I'm not going to talk. Um, so it was just something that was really deep embedded from my childhood. And, you know, I soon realized that, uh, you know, my disability, my speech impediment, uh, was, I was going to use it to the, to the best of my ability and, you know, speak on behalf of anybody who is struggling with uh, something that, uh, that they have fear with. So I have two questions on that. When you say angry childhood, how did that manifest itself for you? Were you angry at the world? Were you angry at siblings? Were you acting out in class? Were you distracted? What did that look like? You know, it, it really just, it was, you know, sometimes getting, getting into trouble because, you know, I, I would get teased for it. I uh, would get bullied for it. And, uh, you know, it comes down to, you know, standing up for yourself. And uh, so that, that, that's kind of where my childhood was. And um, I learned very quickly that, you know, anger is not the way to, not the way to go about it. So I, I grew, I grew up very fast and, um, you know, now, now it's something that I try to use to my best, the best of my ability to speak on behalf of those who are struggling with something. So what was it that helped calm that disability? Because I talked to you and I don't hear any of that. I mean, it, I'm not going to say that you're cured or that it's a miracle, but what helped make the difference when you started asking those speech majors? 
I think it comes down to just acknowledging it. And uh, obviously it comes down to therapy. I, I did, I did sorry, started therapy in third grade and did it pretty much my, my entire life leading, uh, you know, before I started college, I didn't do it. But then my senior year, I started doing it again. So therapy, obviously techniques helped me as well. But I also think it's just um, my attitude towards it and uh, not letting my speech impediment define who I am. And I did that for so long that, uh, you know, that that was who I was. And it's also pretty much uh, a reason why I got into sports in a way is um, because I was being teased for it because uh, I let everybody I let myself feel that I was only being viewed because of me, because of my speech impediment, that when I found sports and I found that I was good at it and I found that, you know, people weren't teasing me or people weren't looking at me because of how I, you know, how I spoke, but because of what I did on the field or the court or on, on the track, on the track. Um, so that's why I started playing sports. What's the lesson you learned about yourself as you overcame that disability? That, I mean, you can really do, and as cliche as it is, you can do anything you put your mind to. Um, I mean, I, I today have, I've, I've talked in front of lots of people. Um, I mean, the most people I've, most people I've spoken in front of, I think was about 60,000 people at a youth uh, Christian event. And, you know, just thinking about it gives me chills because there's no way, there's no way I would have ever even thought about doing something like that. Um, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, really my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and who I put my faith in and, you know, just helped me get through a lot. So what organizations are you involved in now in helping kids who are in similar positions? Uh, so like I said, I grew up in the Boys and Girls Club and uh, the Boys and Girls Club is still uh, very, very close to me. Uh, every time I go back home, uh, I always I always make sure to stop by and say hi to the kids. Uh, I, I attend the gala. Um, I've, I've attended the gala for the last three years. Um, so just being really involved in, in there and just knowing how much the Boys and Girls Club can really help help a child uh, who, who needs it. And then I also do, I try to do any and every uh, community event that the Vikings have for me as well. Speaking of those Vikings, let's go back to the transition that you made between college and pros. Coming out of college, even though you had guys looking at you, you were on the radar of NFL scouts, you went undrafted, right? Yeah. How hard was it waiting for the phone to ring and trying to figure out what was going to happen? I can only imagine how high your hopes were. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, I'll never forget those couple of days. So, um, now obviously you kind of knew I wasn't going to get drafted. I mean, I had talked to a handful of scouts after my pro days and saw some interest, but nothing, nothing too serious. And uh, I was actually on a group chat with about eight or so other guys in the South Dakota area who were seeking the same thing. And uh, we were talking all three days and, you know, they're texting saying, hey, this team just offered me a tryout like in the middle of the draft or, um, you know, oh, this team's thinking about picking me up, but they're going to they're gonna wait it out. And uh, I wasn't hearing anything. So I was kind of upset. And, um, you know, when the when the draft was over, uh, my wife would tell you, uh, I didn't. It's probably the first time I cried in a while. You know, I, I broke down. I was, I was sad. And then uh, it was the following Sunday. Uh, the Vikings had called and given me a tryout. And uh, that was my only shot. I didn't have any other, uh, any other tryouts lined up. And uh, I guess I made the most of it. And I'm blessed to be where I'm at today. I can only imagine the extra emotion when you find out that it's the hometown team calling. And I can only imagine that you as a kid pictured being in a Vikings uniform. Did reality, does reality live up to those imaginations that you had as a kid? 
Uh, definitely. Um, like you said, right away, it was uh, it was a dream come true. You know, I I have so many pictures of myself in a Chris Carter jersey um, growing up as a kid. So it was something uh, obviously a dream to play in the NFL, but even more of a blessing to uh, be in my home state and be close to family and be able to share these experiences with my close friends. Uh, it's definitely been a blessing. I can't believe I'm going into year five right now, and I'm just happy. And I don't think people realize that just when you make the team the first time or the first year does not mean that that is a guaranteed or a given again, or even for an entire season. So what was the level of anxiety those first couple of years as you were trying to make sure that you stuck? <laughs> yeah, a lot of anxiety. You know, it's, uh, I, did, I never had a guaranteed contract or anything like that. So it was every year going out there and proving, proving it, always battling it out with another fullback as well. Uh, so it was a lot of anxiety uh, having, you know, being kind of newly married, having kids. Uh, you just never really knew. And still to this day, we don't really plan for things, you know, that far ahead. You know, we just you just never know what's going to happen in this business. Uh, but like I said, we're we're happy and we're comfortable and uh, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, another season. You mentioned playing fullback. That was a position change for you. How yep. did you react when they asked you to change positions? I was more than happy. Um, so my, my first year, my first year, I'll be going in as a running back. Uh, I was super happy. I was almost almost surprised uh, because I kind of thought that fullback was going to be my way, but they, they saw me as a running back as well. So it was cool to live out that dream for a year. And then the following year, having uh, bringing in Latavius Murray and drafting Dalvin, uh, I was just like, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to compete my butt off, but uh, we'll see what happens. But that's when they called and they wanted me to try fullback. And I was more than happy to do anything to make the team. You know, fullback is a position that you don't see very much around the NFL. Did you ever question the viability of playing that for any length of time? No, I mean, I didn't question anything. I was just ready to get on the field and do whatever it was that they wanted me to do. You know, that's, I saw, I saw it really as, you know, the Vikings, um, you know, giving me an opportunity to make the team and uh, I was more than happy to do it. And I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, really good fullbacks all share very similar characteristics. You know, I, I've known some great ones and I'm curious how that position actually embodies who you are and everything that you have been through and the challenges that you've overcome and the work that you've put in. Uh, fullback is a very unique position. And uh, I feel, I honestly feel like it's taught me a lot in these, in these last handful of years, you know, being a running back my whole life, getting, uh, getting a lot of the glory uh, scoring touchdowns, getting the ball and then playing fullback where you don't get the ball as much. And, uh, you know, to, to, to the outside world, um, you know, you're not as valuable uh, but, you know, to your teammates, your teammates love you and respect what you do. Um, it's really it's really just showing me that it's, uh, you know, continue to go out and work hard and respect will come from from those who matter most. And, uh, you know, just fullback is a is a very aggressive, uh, <laughs> a very aggressive position. And, uh, you know, outside of football, I'm not I'm not aggressive in any way. I'm a I'm a family guy. Uh, you know, most of my teammates will tell you that I'm singing most of the time in in in, uh, in the locker room on the field. Um, you know, singing songs that you know they that you would not expect me to be singing, and uh, to be able to flip that switch and uh, be aggressive, it's, it's it's a fun thing to do. And it sounds like it is truly the perfect position for you, and it really is kind of who you have become 
in the community, on the football field, just that hardworking guy that not everybody is going to see, but is doing amazing things. Thanks for sharing some of those amazing things with us, CJ. Uh, I truly appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, good luck this season. This is the Unrivaled Podcast, giving fans a refreshing look at sports. I'm Jen Mueller. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Look for Unrivaled's next Inside the Jersey profile of a likable professional athlete coming soon.